everyone and welcome to the newest episode of the NFNL podcast. I'm Samuel Zito, joined again by Nicholas Sacco. Nick, it was so good to be back at the footy again on the weekend. Finally, a full round of footy across our senior competition. Unfortunately, the weather didn't really play its part, but it was just so great to see everyone out there again. Players doing what they love, spectators out enjoying themselves and well, maybe for the coaches, a few of them might uh, have a few headaches they probably wish they didn't have after after the weekend results. But all in all, it's great to be back. Definitely, Samuel. And thanks for having me on again on this podcast. But yeah, getting a full round of games in. Everyone's got that experience now. They've probably had a bit of nerves going into each of those games. Some of their skills maybe not exactly up to flash, but at the end of the day, everybody in the same position. It's um, just great to see everybody out there um, kicking the ball around again. Absolutely. So, of course, we had the senior men's football competition play their first full round. We know we had Good Friday footy. There's also the senior women's who got their season underway uh, on the Saturday and the Sunday as well. So some of the special guests we'll have a a chat to throughout the course of this program will be the coach of the Heidelberg Football Netball Club, the senior men's coach in in Danny Nolan. We'll also have a chat to Rachel Wallace, who is coaching Lowell Plenty's female side, a women's team who had a a comprehensive uh, win in their inaugural game, which was uh, was great to see. And we'll also have a chat with Dalwyn Berry, who is, of course, the NFNL netball manager. And she'll just go through, I guess, what we have in store for the season ahead. We do have netball kicking off for the winter season this coming Friday night across four venues as well. So Dalwyn will give us an update as to what's taking place around the netball courts. But Nick, from our point of view as a radio broadcast team, we were out at Shelley Reserve on Saturday and North Heidelberg. Pretty comprehensive first up against McLeod. We weren't too sure which way that one would go. There was plenty of new faces on, on either side, but North Heidelberg made a statement and they did it pretty early in, in that first eight minutes, piling on four goals. Absolutely right. It was pretty much domination for the majority of that game. A 51-point margin, always going to get you over the line as well. A couple of outstanding individual efforts as well from a few players, which we'll get around as well. But, um, yep, they've started pretty well. There were a couple of doubts about the Bulldogs as to whether their premiership contender status was still thereabouts in Meadows Greyhounds Division 1. But any of those doubts have put, been put to rest pretty early in this competition. So um, good to see if you're a Bulldogs fan. And, yeah, well, as you said, there's a few stars of the show. We might just um, keep keep on that, that tack now that we've discussed that game. But some of their, their new faces, Anthony Dorr was certainly one who, uh, I guess, came in um, with... We, we expected to have Magic in, in the North Heidelberg side this year, but he wasn't there. But he, he had a, a great showing uh, first out and, and showed that uh, he can certainly bring plenty to, to this North Heidelberg side. He was, was one of several recruits who, who had impressive games first up. But Jesse Tardio, he... he played as if he'd never stopped playing football. He was outstanding from the get-go. Yeah, his first half was absolutely outstanding as well, Samuel. Just winning the ball out of the middle with ease, really. Getting the clearances and just contributing to that fast start that North Heidelberg had on Saturday. Just, you know, his link play, run and carry... All of that stuff is what he does best, and he really exhibited well. Um, and no wonder why he was probably the best on the ground. And it was great to chat to him as well on the radio on Saturday afternoon. But there was no doubt he was had a few helping hands around him as well. I mean, Shane Harvey, if we standard four goals, he's now six away from his famous 1,000. But like you said, you know, Anthony Dorr was an outstanding player as well. You know, players like Hogan and McSwain who were just contributing around that forward line really got that scoreboard ticking over for the home side as well. So um, some fantastic contributors for yeah, sure. They, they've lost some talent. There's no yep. doubting that. And, and obviously not being able to, to have Madjak now and, and even Jackson Sarsovich with VFL commitments. But when you've got the likes of Tardio, Brenton Shane Harvey, Billy Hogan, yep. you've got enough top-end talent that if they all play well, it, it's going to drive you pretty far as well. And 
as you said with Shane Harvey, he's moved up now to 994 goals for North Heidelberg. He's kicked now 1,400 goals across yes. his senior career when you uh, compile all the, 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 the um, goals he's kicked for, for different clubs as well. It's remarkable and it could well be this week that he, he notches that uh, that elusive uh, figure for the Doggies with 1,000 goals his, his side this weekend. Well, it's uh, if he can, if he can get six, he'll do it. They've got a, a trip to, to Northcote Park on a, on a yeah. twilight uh, game at Bill Laurie Oval, so we'll see if, if Shane can get there. A few big storylines across Meadows Greyhounds Division One. Unfortunately, not the, the closest in, in terms of results no. across the, the course of the round. The Friday night game, well, the scoreboard ended up only 29 points, but Montmorency kicked the opening nine goals there. We saw um, Greensboro prove too strong for Whittlesey, which was a big result for, for the borough because there would, would have been some worries travelling out to the showgrounds. We know that uh, they've obviously come up. Whittlesey, they're looking to um, you know, make a real Im- imprint on that competition coming up. But they had some, some key players out, Greensboro, and it could have been one where they could have been a, a little bit uh, vulnerable. Didn't have Nick Riddle, Josh Calloway, Nathan Rovat's not there. Marcus Toussaint's a, a recruit that's coming into their side. That they've got good raps about. He wasn't out there as well, and uh, they, they didn't also didn't have Tyne and Smith. So it's a good win to to notch a nine goal win away at Whittlesey without those players. Yeah, well, coming into the game and just hearing those names as well, you'd be surprised if Whittlesey didn't put up a charge. But eleven scoring shots to two in the first quarter pretty much told the story. Greensboro were able to get comfortable pretty quickly in that game and, and go away to a big win. So uh, no surprises from the reigning grand finalists. And 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 talking of another of the grand finalists, the reigning premier in West Preston Lakeside. Uh, they ended up having a, a win of, of eight goals. It was close at half-time, four goals apiece. Blew the game open in the third term, kicked uh, five unanswered goals there and then two unanswered in the last. Didn't concede a goal after half-time. We talked about, we, we always talk and marvel about their forward setup with anyone with Ahmed's side. It's yeah. going to draw, draw plenty of attention, but you looked at them through the final series of 2019, understanding it's a long time ago, but that, that back line holds up so well. They conceded little, if, if any, goals during that entire final series, and then they start their premiership defence, much better fashion than last time around when they lost six straight, but by conceding only four goals. I mean, th- we don't probably give enough credit to defenders as a whole, but that West Preston Lakeside defensive mix, they continually get the job done. Yep, and Rob Mayorana would be really pleased with the way his defence has gone about it as well. We spoke about that 0-6 start they had uh, a couple of years ago, and now to get that win, a great momentum booster, not just for the defenders, but for every player pretty much in that squad as well. It just gives them so much confidence, and we'll talk about their next fixture next week um, in the coming our, uh, minutes, but yeah, a big, big win for the reigning premiers. And uh, on, I guess, the Friday night game, we, we talked about Montmorency kicking the first nine goals. It was a, an interesting, a really odd game in, in, in that sense, because you think any side that's nine goals up at, uh, at half time is going to go on, on on their merry way, but Northcote Park found a way back. They kicked six unanswered goals mm-hmm. in the third quarter. They trimmed the margin back to, to 18 points. They couldn't go on with it from there. Montmorency, two goals to zero in the last and, and ran away in the end, convincing winners by, by 29 points. Northcote had some, some injury worries as well. One of the I guess, shining lights in that third term was Tron Eugle kicked three goals but finished the game on the interchange with an injury, which was a shame. Um, they also lost uh, Ben Augustus with a, a shoulder injury as well. But for Montmorency, you'd say on, on most nights that if you can keep aside goalless for three quarters, you walk away pretty happy. I'm sure they're really content with taking home the four points and, and starting the year with a win, but they'd be disappointed with how that, that game nearly 
got out of their grasp in the third quarter, but at the same time, you, you take the positives and say, well, they steadied in the last quarter, were able to get the job done, and uh, obviously some of their leaders amongst the best players in, in Jai Robinson, Jesse uh, Donaldson, and also um, Stephen McCullum as well, driving their side to victory. Yep, exactly right. And, you know, Northcote Park being two behinds at half-time really didn't look like they'd get back into that game. But not only kicking the six goals, but actually not allowing Montmorency to score any just the two behinds is for them in that third term would have been a, a nice little touch and even though they weren't able to finish the job again we talk about momentum and confidence all the time but just having knowing that they've got the ability to, to take it up to a team like Montmorency would give them a little bit of momentum and confidence heading into the next couple of weeks for sure and for mine probably the greatest surprise for mine of, of all the results at the weekend took place at Warringal Park. It wasn't so much the fact that Heidelberg beat Hurstbridge, it was the manner in which the Tigers mm. got the job done. And, and in a few moments' time, we will catch up with the coach of the Heidelberg Footy Netball Club, Danny Nolan. But uh, to come away with an 87-point victory when they were blooding so many youngsters in their side, there was, a, there was a great photo that the club uploaded on the on the Friday prior to the game, or sorry, on the, the Saturday morning, and it was... Um, some of the youngsters in, in Josh Daniel, Tom Hallibone, Matt McInerney and Ben Nikolovsky, all part of their, their junior program, uh, having their photo taken with their, their senior jumper. It's obviously great to, to see that, that real pathway at Heidelberg now from the juniors through to seniors. But uh, with you know, four debutants out there, I don't think anyone could foresee a victory of, of 87 points. But Tom Schnering um, really made his mark. First game of footy since May 2019 and... Boy, gee, did he uh, did he have an impact on that game there? Five goals in the second quarter for Tom Schneering. It was unbelievable when he thought about it as well because Heidelberg was starting to get away from the game, but you wouldn't expect an individual performance from Schneering like he did uh, on that game. So an outstanding achievement. But just back on Heidelberg as well, we, we spoke last week about their massive list turnover as well and whether that the players that were in that squad, a new first-year coach coming in as well, how it was all going to go, but a fantastic result for them and just a real boost for what they want to try and get out of this year for sure. Well, we might uh, get uh, the word straight from the uh, head coach's mouth. We'll have a chat now with Danny Nolan following his side's big victory over Hurstbridge at Wringle Park on Saturday. Here's Danny Nolan. Danny, thanks for joining us. First game as coach, you come away with a win of 14 goals. This coaching caper must must feel pretty easy for you at the moment. Um, I wouldn't say that. Uh, to be honest, I was uh, quite nervous for my first game. So, um, yeah, it was pleasing. Um, but I think the, the best part of the day was just being back at footy and, and seeing kids running around the Oval and, and having a heap of supporters there, which was, uh, which was uh, yeah, a really good day and a, and a pretty um, pleasing result for us. With, um, obviously, your association with the Heidelberg Footy Club, it, it's been long and you've been part of the, you know, arguably the most successful era of any club in, in this league, uh, let alone with, with the club itself, but a new experience, obviously, coming in as coach. It's been a long wait to, to get to your first official game, given the events of last year, but you mentioned the nerves there as well, but, but how did you find the actual experience? Um, yeah, well, of course, it's probably, you know, a dream job for me to coach, you know, a club that I've... Uh, you know, that I hold really close to heart and been involved in some really good times. So, um, yeah, the, f- the first game did take a while. It took a while to come around, but um, it gave me time to prepare. Probably when I first started, I'd, uh, I was sort of a little bit late taking the job. Um, and to be honest, I'm sure if, you know, it would all work uh, given my employment um, as a fiery so, uh, and shift worker. So, but uh, when I got my head around that, that's what I really want to do, uh, and it can be done. Um, yeah, it was just just good to finally get out there and um, and put some of our uh, practices into play. 
it's obviously a, a dream start given the, the, the way the result panned out in control from, from start to finish. You fielded uh, a really young side. I think there was four juniors who were playing their, their first senior game with the club and, and a few other new faces as well. But were you taken by surprise with, with how well they adapted to playing senior footy? Um, yeah, listen, I didn't really know what to expect, to be honest, but I did have a belief that, you know, the attitude's been fantastic. Um, I think if you also put on top of that, I reckon it probably would have been about half of our side who, you know, come the last game in 2019, um, really wouldn't have been considered, you know, as senior players. So there's probably another five or six guys that have really stepped up from, from the 19s or, you know, just, you know, fringe players to really, um, you know, that, that I believe could be permanent seniors for, for a long time to come. So we're very young. Um, I think the one of the best stories to, to be around our club, uh, barring premierships for, for the time that I've been here, was was having those um, young guys play. You know, they've come from the... Uh, come from the, the, the attackers, so to speak, or Auskick at Heidelberg. Now, that hasn't happened for a long, long time. So to have four of them all in one day, um, I think that's a fantastic story for our club anyway. You've been you know, involved in local footy for, for for quite a long time, but given the changes that are now being enforced with, with COVID, with uh, obviously lower salary caps, we know that the point system's been in place for quite some time, but do you see that as, as the new approach the clubs are going to have to take, uh, given the, there's fewer, I guess, um, or there's more restrictions in place to allow you to you know, go out and, and get higher-profile players? Yeah, well, I think that's a direction our club's taken for, for a few years now. Um, you know, we really, we've got a real close bond. Uh, you know, with the junior club, uh, I think if you look through uh, from my era, I think there's about five or six of, of our guys. So I guess my era is um, guys coaching through the juniors. So um, that's a real positive for us. Um, and I think that'll be the direction we'll take. You know, I'm pretty sure there'll be some nifty players, uh, given how many of, uh, you know, my era and the era before me, their kids are playing. So I think we'll be um, definitely trying to keep um, promoting from within. Danny, just back on the game on Saturday, of course, the star of the show was absolutely Tom Shearing with his five goals in the second quarter of your win um, over Hurstbridge. How did you see his performance? You must have been up and about when he was kicking all those goals in that second term. Listen, he, that, it, that's a fantastic story, Tom. Like, you know, he did his knee playing for us um, in the first probably five or ten minutes uh, in 2009. So to come back your first return game, um, to be honest, COVID probably was a was a blessing for him because it g- gave him an extra year to get his body right. Um, he's been fantastic. He's straight into our leadership group as vice captain, Tom. Um, really quality person. But um, yeah, we were hoping he'd be good, but um, by geez, um, easily met that that expectation. What role do you, do you see him playing? Because my understanding is throughout his you know, TAC Cup career and, and also through VFL that he's predominantly played midfield. That, that's my understanding. But obviously he spent that second quarter forward and, and kicks five. Um, do you see him as, as sharing time there or do you, th- do you think he goes back into the midfield uh, predominantly? Um, yeah, I, I think that's going to be guessing game for uh, for the opposition coaches because uh, to be honest, I don't know. I think we'll be flicking him around everywhere. Um, we have got a really adaptable side. We're, we're going to be pretty quick um, and and probably not as tall as other sides. So uh, he will play. He could come off half back. He could go forward. Uh, and obviously, he's a proven um, class midfielder. So uh, he could be anywhere. 
with obviously another another recruit you had there in, in Matthew Smith. You talked about um, Tom Schnering being, I guess, uh, advanced by having a year away. F- from a club perspective, my understanding, again, Matt Smith came across, was still going to be playing VFL last year. That's not going to take place this year. You've got him full-time. What do you, what do you make of, of having someone with his expertise uh, within your football club? Uh, yeah, Matt's been fantastic. He's taken over an assistant coaching role. Um, yeah, I don't think we you can get a better leader, to be honest. Just his training attitude, um, the time he spends around the club, just the buy-in to the place. Um, I think he's going to be a real asset for, for some years to come. Um, yeah, he sets he sets the standard, basically, and, and just the way he communicates. You know, he's... he's not loud, but he just definitely gets through and, and has a really good relationship with um, with the rest of the midfield and, and playing group. I think going into to this year, if you ask most people, they said that, that Heidelberg was, was going to be one of the intriguing clubs going into the year because of the turnover of, of the playing list. We, we knew you were going to have a, a younger side, but the players you lost, I mean, it's it's almost impossible to cover the likes of you know players like Michael Brunelli, Jack Blair, um, Sam Grimley, uh, just, just to name a few, and the, the list goes on. But how important does that make the role of these leaders, plus someone like a Sam Gilmore, to, to keep these young kids together and, and to try and overcome the challenge of, of losing the outstanding talent that you lost after the 2019 season? Yeah, listen, that was always going to be tough. Um, we, I think losing them, Sam, Sam's fantastic. He's an unbelievable leader, so he's great to lead the club. But I think by losing that much, I uh, guess, leadership you're also losing the real influential people but they sort of do take over a lot so when you lose so many of them i think it empowers the young guys um who, who are sort of in their shadows all of a sudden they they have to step up and i think that's what's happened um we've got guys like ketchin minogan dwyer um anthony fable um Sutterby, you know these guys sort of really instead of sort of being in the shadows they've stepped up they they talk they're organizing the club it's a real player driven culture um so i think they have just been fast tracked a couple of years in leadership just because uh there's sort of no one there and they had to it was either them or, or no one like you know so there were, there has been a, a significant change of leadership um so to speak but these guys are sort of really grabbed it and run with it and um and i couldn't be more pleased especially you know uh, training and, and, and the attitude and the buy to the club. With the, the weekend's win, it's, it's great to get the four points. It's a you know, healthy start to, to your percentage as well. But in terms of having a young group and, and then now having that mental uh, confidence to, to take away, to know they can play at this greater foot, footy as well, how instrumental is that going to be going forward? Oh, listen, I think the weekend was was a bit on our terms. I think the weather played into our hands. I certainly was very happy knowing that we're playing Hurstbridge at home round one rather than up there. You know, their game style will be sort of more suited to a, to a smaller ground. Um, yeah, I think everything coming to our, you know, sort of played into our hands. Um, not getting too far ahead of myself. You know, you don't know... But, you know, it's round one, so a lot of things, you know, they, they might have had a lot of injuries and, and a few things didn't go their well, way also. They had, they had two significant injuries through the game. So I'm not really getting ahead of, with our performance. I liked what we what we did and how we implemented the game plan and, and, and some of our key um, sort of key indicators were really strong with our pressure, but um, I'm certainly not getting too far ahead. You know, it's round one. Uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint this season. 
this coming weekend. You you travel out to Whittlesea. Uh, they have given Heidelberg a few uh, issues in, in, in recent years when they've been up in, in the top grade, but I think most people are going to look at that coaching battle and they see Danny Nolan up against uh, Blair Harvey. It's uh, you know two of the, the greatest uh, teammates uh, going head-to-head in, in the coach's box. I'd imagine that uh, brings, a, I guess, a, a new experience for you there as well. Yeah, well, one of my best mates, but um, we've had a lot of good times together but, uh, and a lot of phone calls in the last, you know, 18 months since uh, I've taken over, but there, I don't think there'll be too many phone calls <laughs> this week. We'll sort of stay clear. And certainly, I think our club has really struggled at, at Whittlesea. They play it well. I know, you know, and since I've been around, we've never gone there. We've even had some really good sides, um, you know, that are probably better than anyone on paper, but um, we'll see who've challenged us every time. Um, yeah, so I, and that'll be a real drive this week, I think, to identify that, um, that we probably traditionally don't play well up there, and um, and I'll be putting some focus on that area. Well, Danny, thank you for, for joining us. Well done on, on that win to, to start off the, the 2021 season. It's obviously a long year, but uh, hopefully, um, for your sake, that that form can continue on. But really appreciate your time and, and wish you the best of luck going into this week's game against the Eagles. Nah, all good boys, fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, we keep it up, but um, just great to be playing footy again, isn't it? At La Trobe University, you'll learn lessons that last your entire professional life. You'll be inspired by thought leaders, change makers, and brilliant minds. Teachers who are mentors too. Learn from experts, then become one. Learn the rules, then how to remake them. Discover your path to success and find your dream course at latrobe.edu.au. Latrobe University, all kinds of clever. Great to hear from Danny Nolan there. Nick Sacco, big game was uh, taking place on Saturday out at Main Street Recreation Reserve in MC Labor Division 2. New facilities out there. Tom Sand finally got to, to unveil those and uh, get to at their home ground against the side, which had given it trouble in, in recent years, taking on Altham. And the Bears come away with an 11-point win. I think most people are probably thinking now that that's confirmation that they are well and truly in the premiership race in 2021. Well, there was always much anticipation with this 2019 semi-final rematch and going into the game, and especially us watching the Panthers play last week on Good Friday, you felt like they would still be the favourites heading into it. But Thomastown, we know they recruited heavily in the off-season. They're really flexing their muscles and... They're, they're absolutely up there for a premiership spot right now. A fantastic win. And, you know, their star's really shiny again. You know, someone like Anthony Capici kicking his five goals. Uh, but they just had players all over the park that were really doing it for them. And I know they have a young team as well, which would be even better for everyone around that football club. For Eltham, there's one concern that's crept into their game in the first two rounds, and it's kicking a goal there. Some of their goal kicking has been subpar. It didn't cost them in round one, but it certainly kept St Mary's in the game early on with, with some of the missed set shots. It probably cost them a match on the weekend. Some of the, the more basic ones that were missed, and when you're playing good sides, they'll make you pay at the other end, but 8-14 to 11-7 and, and some really gettable ones missed. And it's, uh, you know, it's one of those ones with, with goal kicking that it, it's often not addressed until it costs you a result. And, and on this occasion, um, taking nothing away from Thomas Town Eltham in, in a big game, weren't able to, um, to, to kick the goals that, that were needed to, to win a game. But they're not the only ones that are plagued by, by inaccurate goal kicking. Lowell Plenty kicked 26 yes, behinds in, in their game against Epping. Still won it convincingly, but uh, I believe uh, from what I've heard between 
uh, Darcy Barden and Corey Sleep one thirteen between oh, wow. them, I believe. So uh, huge. Not, uh, yeah, not the ideal to start in front of goals. Their side still had a, a big win as well. I think probably what um, you know, Lowell Penny coming back to the grade. I think most people see them as a side that can really contend. And you talk about their, their top end talent, but I think when you've got Tom Keys. Darcy Varden, um, Josh Turner as well, and, and Tom Blake's become a, a really good player in, in that side as well. I think that they're, they're going to be pushing far. Whether they bat deep enough as the other sides, only time will tell, but um, they've come in and, and made an instant statement against Epping. Well, yeah, their tall timber was always going to be a big um, advantage for lower plenty, no matter what division they were in, and, and those names that you've just read out, just proving again how important they've been. Even someone like Corey Sleep, who's had a nice start in this game as well, particularly um, yeah, when you're having nearly 40 or 40-plus 40 scoring shots, uh, pretty difficult to lose, and Epping would have been um, a little bit disappointed with their performance, but at the same time, a great start for lower plenty. Well, like you said, how far they can go, we're not quite sure. We've already seen probably two of the best teams in this division so far really go at it in a competitive um, battle. So, yeah, it'll be intriguing. And uh, they'll get a big test this weekend because they play the Twilight game. They'll plenty out at... at, uh, Ban Newell when they take on the Bears and it'll be the, well, the Battle of the Bears really yeah, three Bears three in the competition bears. It's, uh, out, of, out of 10 teams but that that's going to be a, a really interesting one 4-10 at Beverly Road Oval Ban Newell convincing winners Nick Grabowski's played his first game for the club and had an outstanding game so they it was competitive early against the Stars but then Ban Newell you know, broke away and uh, and won it well. So the Stars are going to be a, a young and quick side and the conditions probably didn't suit them at, at the weekend. But Banyol, a real statement early after, obviously having a disappointing end to 2019, um, really on, on their game to, to start the season with a few of their, their newer players um, amongst the better players on the ground. So an impressive start for, for Banyol there. The two close games it took place, uh, one at Watmore Park, the other at Cracknell Reserve. St Mary's just getting over the top of Watsonia, a four-point result there. They, those two sides have you know, long history stemming back to, to Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3, so certainly seen as being a, a winnable game for both. St Mary's gets on the board, in, even though it's round one, in their second game of the season, but on the Panton Hill front... Disappointing for them to to not be able to hold on. Yeah. Diamond Creek in the last quarter kicking the only two goals to to record a six point victory. Um, for Panton Hill, were we too dismissive of them? We said last week it might be a race between five and and then some down the bottom trying to avoid relegation. But coming up, there's a lot of new faces in this Panton Hill side, and, and many of them had a, an impact first up. Jack Mark, uh, sorry, Jake Mark kicked uh, four goals in his. Uh, Panton Hill debut. Jesse Owen Straper has come across from both Merinder and also Whittlesey. He had an impact straight away and was uh, amongst the, the the best players. Isaac still kicked the goal as well. But for Panton Hill, it's uh, I know it's a, it's a disappointing loss, and, and you obviously in any game when it's close, you want the result to go your way. But um, for mine, I was expecting a, a bigger margin than that. And, and Panton Hill, I think they can really build on that. Yeah, you're right in both t- on both fronts, Sam. Um, Penton Hill kicked five behinds in that last quarter, so they really would have had the opportunity to get away with that win, but unfortunately the two goals went towards Diamond Creek. Same scoring shots, but it was all behind for Penton Hill. But you're right, maybe we were a little bit too dismissive. Obviously coming up from Division 3, um, you know, there were, wouldn't have been that many expectations on them coming into this season and what they'd be about, you know, really contending against those top sides in Division 2. But um, that's a great and a massive start against Diamond Creek. Obviously not getting the four points, but... Um, they might be someone that might be pushing a few of these bigger teams. We saw a team like St. Mary's do that in 2019, while Penton Hill might just come up and surprise a few teams as well. 
So uh, I guess it's a, it's a very long year, but the first round, really some uh, some intriguing results there. And uh, we look forward to, to the action that, that comes up this weekend. Lowell Plenty up against Banyul for Mines, the, uh, yeah. the the pick of the bunch. They're going to be played at, at Beverly Road Oval. Uh, but some, some other games, Diamond Creek and the Stars at Coventry Oval, they generally play close games. I think the last time they met at Coventry Oval might have been a draw as well. And and for what's only an epping a chance to to uh, open their account for, for this year as well. Looking now, move forward to, to Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. And uh, in that division, I guess the main talking point would be the game that was played out at Lorimer Reserve where the power, Lorimer, came away with a four-point victory over Kilmore. They kicked five goals in the opening three quarters, kicked with the breeze in the last, kicked five goals, two, three and came away with a four-point win. Their skipper, Mitch Thompson, kicking a goal in the, in the final minute to seal what was an, an emotional win, um, unfortunately, for the club. They had the, the sad loss of, of Trevor Lambert during the, the course of, of match week and the day before the game. His his son, um, Billy, playing in his, his senior debut the very next day. So I'm, I'm sure that um, while there's the excitement of the win, it's a, it's a somber moment for the club, but to start the year with a win, uh, honoured him in the in the, the right manner, and it was a thrilling start, and, and perhaps for, for Kilmore, one that, that got away having led for the majority, and went down behind in the last quarter, managed to, to peg back a couple of goals to get nine points ahead, but, but Lorimer with the last couple, win it, and, and the skipper, the man you said potentially wins yes. the uh, the Comp BNF this year, uh, starts the year with the match-winning goal. He started well, hasn't he, Mitch Thompson? A great way to finish off and, and kick that goal to, to win the match for him. But Kilmore certainly had their chances as well. We spoke about Panton Hill in the previous division. They did miss some gettable shots heading into that final term, and they could have been much more ahead than the 10 points they were at that last change. But an outstanding result for Lorimer. A great way to kick off their campaign this year. And um, like, you said, like you said, emotions filled all around the place, I'm sure, after that win. The the magnitude of the win on the Friday night surprised me. Heidelberg West up against Old Eltham Collegians. I thought I know we, we mentioned in last week's podcast we thought those two sides potentially pushing for, you know, one of the spots inside the top four, but, but Heidelberg West we'll see as as time goes. We don't know quite yet if they're uh, if the game's the exception or whether it, it's the, the sign of what's to come going forward. But after a pretty close first half, it was only four goals of difference at half time with, with Heidelberg West getting um, you know the edge late in that first half. But then to, to break it wide open and after half time, pole on 10 goals to two, run away with uh, a massive victory in the end of... Uh, yeah, of that proportion there, 16-15, to 5-4-34. It's, it's an early statement from Heidelberg Western. And for, for the club, we spoke with, with Michael Misson last week, their coach. They said they wanted to make it a, a big occasion Friday night footy for the first time at the club. And, and to get a win like that, I think they'd be pretty pleased as a club as to, to how that uh, that season started, but also the event they were able to put together with a, a big crowd under lights. Oh, for sure. And they had pretty much even contributors across the park. Nine individual goal scorers in that win against Old Alpham Coletians would really please someone like Michael Misson as well heading into the next few weeks. Um, an outstanding result. Always better to do it under lights, Samuel. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, I, I find that it was a little bit warmer, I think. That's but, uh, true. It yes. was still good to see so many people out there, obviously, missing their footy after the events of 2020. And, and on the other two winners, Mernda against Layla, it was a pretty competitive game for, for Mernda. Uh, one of their, their new faces was, was one of the ones who led the way up forward, kicking five goals in uh, Bryce uh, Kimiliadis, and he kicked five, Shannon Smith kicked four. So two recruits combining for nine of the 15 goals. 
Munda looked to control early. Layla kept fighting back. We know that's generally a grounded at Waterview Reserve that does get win affected, but uh, Munda was able to steady in the last quarter and kick uh, kick away to win by 27 points. So a good start for the Dees as they look to, to push up into the top four after a couple of near misses. I still feel like Layla could really push and get a few extra wins than they did in their 2019 season. We saw that they were competitive in games a couple of years ago, but they just couldn't get the finishing touches. This is probably another example of that, but I feel like with a few games under their belt, the Bloods can really make a push and, and get some much-needed victories to help their confidence out throughout the remainder of the year. And uh, the game at, between Reservoir and South Morang, well, South Morang, it's a really young side. They haven't really brought anyone in, in right. new from the club other than promote their youth, and that was a, a commanding victory. The last quarter was, uh, I mean, it was, it was already damage done on the scoreboard, but the last quarter, 14 goals the Lions yeah. put through. So hopefully uh, for Reservoir, it's um, you know a one-off and they can improve as the season goes on. A lot of new faces in that side. It's a, almost an entirely new 22 from the side that, that featured in 2019. But for South Morang, that's a pretty impressive result first up to you know to kick a score like that. And a great stake for their premiership chances as well. I mean, I know Reservoir haven't really been a strong side in the competition in the last few years, but um, even round one and after missing out on so many games, especially with last year not having any football played, um, a big win like that from South Morang probably just reaffirms themselves a little bit and saying, you know, we can gel with all the, pl- the new players we've got into the side and, you know, maybe bring that momentum a little bit into the next few weeks. And uh, that's, that's our, our wrap of, of the senior men's. Senior women started every club uh, in one grading pool uh, for the first four rounds and then from there they'll they'll break away into their own competition. Some of the, the highlights for me from the weekend, it was good to see a double header of games being played out at uh, Plenty Park where Diamond Creek women's took on Darabin. Both sides have, have two teams in this year. Shared the victory, so I guess for, both, for the clubs there's something to take away from the day. Darabin too actually kept Diamond Creek women's scoreless in, in the earlier game, but thereafter the uh, the one side for the Creekers were able to get a 16 point win, um, and as I said, split the split the points. We saw West Preston Lakes on a Bandura play after the senior men at at, at J E Moore Park, which was was great to see, and, and it was Bandura in a close one, winning by three points. Fitzroy Stars Banyul, both new clubs to the competition in the in the women's side of things. Uh, Banyul starting life in in the women's football with a, a victory at at Sir Douglas Nichols Oval. We talk about great images we we see over the weekend. Uh, there was a, a great one that the Fitzroy Star shared through their pages over the uh, the course of the weekend, and it was uh, to do with uh, their, their skipper for the uh, the women's side, and uh, it was it was a lovely photo that they, that they shared running through the banner of co-captain uh, Shania Austin um, leading the way, and, and there was a photo of her, and then beside it was one of her grandfather Wilkie Austin, who was oh, uh, nice. a, a, a uh, sorry a, a captain of the club as well. So a, a, you know, great to see the history being built Absolutely, now with the yeah. introduction of, of women's football and a great family legacy being shared by the Fitzroy Stars there, even though the result didn't go their way. So congratulations to Banyol winning first up. Lowell Plenty made a, a, a real impression, and we're about to chat to their coach, Rachel Wallace. They had a, a big win over VU Western Spurs 2 in their inaugural game, which was also played directly after the Senior Men's Day, that uh, a game that day between Lowell Plenty and Epping. And then on the Sunday, well, you got to give credit to all the sides who, who went out there all games at three o'clock in the middle of torrential rain. It oh, was yes. freezing cold. It was not uh, the kind of weather we'd, you'd hope to see. Uh, in April, you might get that later in the year as it unfolded, but uh, on the day, Montmorency 2 getting a win. So to Altham, VU Western Spurs 1, Wallen and Greensboro. It was the uh, away sides that won all five games on, on the Sunday. But... Um, Weather gods, let's hope they're a bit kinder to, to not only nice, yeah. uh, to, to everyone really over the weekend. We've got junior football starting on, on Sunday and uh, plenty of football throughout Saturday as well. It'd be nice to get to a little bit warmer, but 
Looking at the forecast, might still be a bit of rain. Oh, it doesn't even, it doesn't even feel like we had summer in the last few months. Now we're already experiencing these rains. Hopefully for us commentators as well this weekend, we can brave the wind and rain a little bit more for us too. And uh, without further ado, we're now going to have a chat with the coach of the Lowell Plenty women's team, Rachel Wallace, to go through an historic day for her football club. Rachel, thank you for joining us. An historic day uh, for your football club on Saturday with the uh, inaugural women's team stepping out onto the field for the first time in a competitive game and, and the results certainly went your way. What uh, what were your thoughts on, on that first game taking on VU Western Spurs? Well, we went into the game thinking that they'd be a lot more experienced and um, we, we'd heard about the strength of that club. But um, the, the, we've got a... A uh, young athletic group of uh, girls who are just amazing and compete. And uh, to be up 31 to zero at quarter time, they were blown away, and they were so proud of themselves. Into- so it was just an awesome way to start the season. You know, straight after the men's game, so there was a crowd there, and they were all into it. And you know, to have the cheering and for Miller Faraday to kick the first goal for, in the history of the club for the women's bar- uh, football team is amazing. Well, she ended up having a day out. She kicked uh, four goals and, and Trinity Mills added, added five as well. But was the, I mean, you said there the result maybe took you a little bit by surprise, but I'd imagine regardless of what the scoreline was going to be, it was going to be a, a successful day because of those reasons you mentioned, first game for the club, having a, a big crowd there. But I'd imagine the result itself was, was just the icing on top. Yeah, it was also pretty emotional. Um, I named uh, Molly McCormack as our captain prior to the um, the game and uh, for the whole season. And um, unfortunately, Molly's mum passed away. So we'd had the funeral on the Thursday, which most of the girls attended, which was just lovely to show that camaraderie and, and that, you know, that we've got her back. And um, so that was really emotional for her to lead the, the team out. Um, but we all felt like her mum, Amanda, was there with us. Uh, she loved footy and was really competitive and um, enjoyed enjoyed life. Um, with, I guess, the, the preparation leading into the game, I was going to ask what, what it had been like in the week, but I imagine that made it a bit more sombre going into the game. It was pretty, it was pretty flat. Um, uh, I actually had to tell the girls at the, the previous Wednesday training and we were all very emotional and upset and... Um, yeah, so it was a different sort of lead-up, but uh, Molly was so determined to play and so focused on, on giving her all for the team. Um, she, she's been the one that's been really driving this team. So I coached about nine of the girls at Research Junior Footy Club in 2019 in the under-18s. Um, so they have come across, and Molly's been the one driving it. And last year, I had like four on a Zoom each week during covid and Molly was always there, and then we did some pre-season um, at Research Park, and we had about six turn up, and I was like, oh, I this is this is going to be hard work. And then uh, first um, training for the new year, um, straight after the long weekend, I had 12, and I was like, oh, right, we can do this now. So just the, uh, the power of social media and um, girls just inviting their friends and, and just making sure it's a fun... Uh, fitness orientated environment was really important um, we've uh, we've had pizza nights we've had uh, DV nutrition set up a hydration station at the game just to make it a little bit more fun and so the girls feel really special and, and are included in the club we haven't got our jumpers as yet but 
we look forward to um, presenting them. And what we thought is that one of the senior men's who has the same corresponding jumper would present that to the girls at, at the at the Thursday night dinner to make it a little bit more special and, and so that we've got that inclusion into the club that that person, that player, the male player can then check on check on someone, you know, so that they know that their name and find out a little bit about them and, and that's, we have that, that relationship gets built throughout the season. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful touch, and I think it's probably one of the, the shared opinions throughout uh, everyone who's, who's been involved in, in local sporting clubs, particularly in the last 10 or so years with, with the women's game really booming, is the, the great impact it's had just on, on the clubs as a whole with, with the inclusion of, of people being made more welcome at the club, and it doesn't matter who you are. But you, you've you mentioned there your, your involvement with research and now going across to Lower Plenty where they've got that affiliation with the junior clubs now going to seniors, but how important is it now for there to be a pathway where where junior female players can now go across and, and play their senior women's, I guess with uh, with I guess this, doing it the same way as their male counterparts would have. Yeah, it's it's very important, and um, it was lovely to get some messages from some of the current under nineteen under eighteen parents at research. Um, I was a life member at research, and I've still got my youngest son playing there, so it's a very special club for me. Um, did 10 years of coaching Auskick there, so uh, I go way back for research. So it's really important that the girls have, uh, you know, a pathway and some, you know, they can come down and watch and support. Um, we're hopefully playing most of our games on Saturday, so not clashing with the, the juniors on the Sunday. So we're really good, really excited for the season ahead. It's one of the, the toughest times to come in and, and, and start the, you know, an inaugural team given the, the events of last year and, and having to, to postpone it for, for 12 months. You mentioned about the Zoom meetings you had and the limited numbers, but how hard was it, uh, I guess, first off, just getting the team off the ground, but then having to do it uh, directly after a, a pandemic that we had with, with COVID-19? Well, I think it makes you, um, you know, that I think... M- they want to be there now. They want to be involved in a team. They've, you've missed, you miss that if you're not involved in a team. I think, you know, training individually last year is tough. Um, so to make sure that when they came to training, they got some, you know, strength and fitness out of it, that it was fun, that, you know, that we work, look, look at building up friendships. That's what was really important. And that's what got more numbers along. Um, girls that I hadn't coached and they were like, that, we just love this team. We love the trainings. Um, and I also embrace that they, they have a life as well. So last year they didn't have a social life, so if something comes up, go for it. Um, we've got 28 on our list, which is amazing, um, all registered and good to go. So uh, we've got that flexibility. These are young women who are studying, who are working, you know, who are looking, you know, to take holidays and just enjoy life, and, and we're going to be accommodating in all those areas. But when they turn up to play, they're ready to compete and, and run hard. With uh, some of the players uh, amongst the list, you, you've already read off a few. I know Michaela Plunkett's another who's had experience with the Northern Knights in, in their girls' program as well. But is there any particular players which uh, people should keep an eye on this year for, for the talent uh, that can be on display at, at Lowell Plenty? Oh, well, we've got a really, really strong athletic girls' team. So we've got um, we've got two good strong ruckmans. We've got Tilly McDonald who actually, she's never played before but um, I coached her at Auskick and she does, she's an amazing volleyballer. She's actually got a scholarship and heading over to the USA in August 
Um, but she's amazing in the ruck with her with her spiking skills. Candace Collins has played before, and and um, she's come down from Lorimer, and, and she's also spent some time at Eltham. Um, our um, our leadership group is really strong. We've got um, Ash Smith, who's um, who's um, an on baller who, who runs and just got a really good work rate. We've got uh, Casey Todd, who's fantastic down black back and is just a really kind, caring, generous teammate to have. It's always got your back and she goes in really hard. And we've got Miller Faraday, who makes up the uh, last vice-captain position down forward. And she's just a force to be reckoned with. I think the, the best she's ever kicked is seven in a game. Um, and she probably would have would have got that in the first game if I hadn't have made them all play a quarter down back because that's the fair thing to do. The same with Trinity with kicking her five. She probably would have had another three if I had left her up there. And Michaela um, is also really, really tough, really tough and make sure that she's um, hard at the ball. Um, we've got some young talent coming up in Ella Gray. She's a, a good little athlete who's in and under in the packs and tackles really hard. Um, and we've got um, Megan uh, Maxwell, who, who's just got an amazing tank on her, and uh, she can just go and run all day. So we, we get, we're quite we've got good depth. Um, we've also got about five or maybe maybe seven, actually, sorry, seven new players that have never played before, and they're just loving it. So, um, and their skills will come along throughout the season, uh but their, their fitness is good and their strength is good. We're trying to limit the amount of uh, injuries that we have. And um, I'm also supported on the field. We've got Rebecca Brown, who played amateurs. Um, and she just gives the young girls some uh, really good uh, direction and guidance out there. So really can't say just one. That a lot of them are always a, a in and under and doing the one percenters. So it's really impressive to watch the team all um, contributed to the win on uh, Saturday night. And, and one final one, we, we know the first four rounds of the season are graded and, and thereafter the, the teams will move into to three divisions. Do you have a, a particular, um, I guess, expectation as to where you girls might be fit in the, in the scheme of things or do you, do you set a, a ceiling as to, to where, where you want to be or what you want to achieve this year? Um, I think to be competitive, so not to be... I, I think I think maybe Division 1 might be a bit tough to, in your first season. Um, I'd like to us to win some games and I'd like to us to be challenged and lose some as well. So uh, I think that's important for our first season to have some success. So uh, And also to work on our... Um, you know, with having a year out of the game and, and a lot of the girls haven't played a lot of football. You know, a lot of them have joined late as well, so they don't have the, the numerous seasons that the, the men's teams do. Um, just to work on their skills and, and to get better at our game tactics and team play. Um, I found that the girls are better with just one training night for a couple of hours and uh, we're getting really good numbers at training, which is which is fortunate. So... We'll see what happens, but well, I think Division 2 would be a, a good spot for us to be placed.
in our first season. Well, Rachel, uh, we really appreciate y- your time uh, in joining us on the NFNL podcast. It's a wonderful insight to, to get directly from a, a coach of one of our new women's teams. Obviously, it was a, such a successful start on, on the weekend. So congratulations on not only getting the, the side out there in the park, but, but on the performance on the day as well. And, and we wish you the best of luck for the season ahead. Thank you very much, Samuel. The Meadows Conference and Event Centre offers a range of conference opportunities for your next event. Whether it be an end-of-year work party, the next conference, or even a funeral or wake, The Meadows can host any event. To find out more info, head to themeadowsevents.com.au. Great to chat with Rachel Wallace there. Nick, big weekend coming up. Anything in particular that catches your eye? Oh, there's a lot of good games coming up in all three divisions, but very hard to go past the grand final rematch in Meadows Greyhounds Division 1. The game we'll be covering, of course, West Preston Lakeside taking on Greensboro. It was a very big grand final between those two sides a couple of years ago, and I'm very much anticipated to see how both sides come out into this Saturday, particularly after both having big wins as well against sides over the, over the course of the weekend. Yeah, well, I mean, sides that win a grand final maybe had a bit more time to enjoy it, uh, you know, last year with, without playing. Those who have lost it, it's a lot long wait to, to get back out there and, and uh, seek atonement, so to speak. And for Greensboro, we'll, um, they'll, they'll get that opportunity on their home deck this weekend. It's going to be a great game. As you said, both really impressive winners. And uh, we look forward to that one, of course. That'll come to you at 88.6 Plenty Valley. And there's a couple of Twilight games that I look forward to as well. Montmorency Bandura should be a good one. But love seeing, you talked about it in the outset, Nick, uh, night footy as, as well. It's great to, it's great yeah. to see. So we'll see um, plenty of that uh, throughout the, the earlier rounds in the season. Uh, of course, there's Plenty of footy to be played right throughout the course of this week. As we said, junior football coming back. And we wish everyone who's, who's stepping out in the field the, the very best of luck. Um, obviously, still more grading to go in, in the women's football side of, of things. And netball is kicking off this weekend uh, on Friday night at uh, four venues a- across the, the northern suburbs. So we've had the, the summer season, which concluded a fortnight ago. It's great to now have the winter season in action for the first time since 2019. And to give us uh, an update as to what to expect from the 2021 winter netball season, we're going to catch up with the manager of the NFNL netball competition, Dalwyn Berry. Now joining us on the NFNL podcast is the manager of the NFNL netball competition, Dalwyn Berry. Dalwyn Thank you for joining us on the NFNL podcast. Obviously, it's an exciting week in the netball space with the winter season kicking off Friday night, and uh, we're certainly looking forward to that after the season that didn't go ahead last year. Absolutely. Thank you, Samuel. Thanks for having me on. It's great to actually get out and um, have a bit of a chat about the 2020 winter season coming up and off the back of the summer, which went through so successfully in the end. So, um, yeah, looking forward to Friday night, as I'm sure all the players are as well. I mean, it's obviously been a long layoff since we played a, a winter competition but it is a very short uh, short time since the the summer season concluded that was obviously a great success to have mm-hmm. so many teams on the courts over the summer period probably after you know a year where people couldn't do much it's probably no surprise we had great a great uh, participation number in, in that, that netball space but for us to to get back into doing what we love and that's you know running competition mm-hmm. and watching competitions those uh, months from November through to, to, to March brought great excitement and, and some great netball on the courts. Absolutely it sure did and it gave people an opportunity to probably get out and do a bit more training get a bit more running their legs um, and just get used to being back out on the court and of course we coming into finals we were able to have spectators back which gave us um, an opportunity for people then to come in and, and watch the games as well which 
was really exciting and it was great to actually hear people actually on the sidelines cheering those it, finals on. As, as exciting as it was pre-Christmas and, and those final home and away rounds, it was great to have action, but it's not quite the same, is it, without no, the, the people there not. to cheer? And I'm, I'm sure for, for players and uh, and obviously officials alike and certainly for the spectators to be able to be in the uh, in the venue as well, but uh, they, it just adds an, another element, doesn't it, come, uh, come finals time? Um Going forward to, to this Friday night, the start of the winter season, of course, as we said from the outset, we haven't had a winter season since 2019, but 97 teams, it's mm. a, a great achievement. Yeah, no, really exciting on to have it, the 97, which is five more than what we did have in 2019. So just goes to show that we do have um, a great following by all our clubs and people wanting to come and play within the competition. And it is a relatively strong competition as well. Um, and we are getting a lot more um, ages across the board from 15 onwards um, and giving them opportunity to play at a higher level, so which is really good. Um, yeah, so looking forward to it all. And I guess the other exciting element, so record team numbers for the, for the winter competition, but also the number of clubs represented now, 28 team uh, clubs from the Northern Football Netball League. That's something that... I know you've had you mm-hmm. know had an, a massive role in, in the netball space in our competition, but if you went back to the infancy back in you know 2008, I believe 2008, it was, yep. to, to think that uh, now you'd have 28 clubs with a oh. Nepal team and have 97 teams. Is it something that was only a, a pipeline dream back then? Um, most definitely was only a pipeline dream. And then, of course, it was all more about getting more, um, more inclusive within clubs and to give women and girls an opportunity to play netball, which was something that was being asked of for, for a lot, uh, for a long time. But then also to be given the opportunity for football and netball and grow that space um, together has been, yeah, fantastic. And, yeah, 28 clubs, there's only a couple of um, senior clubs. And I know those senior clubs that are not there at the moment are definitely trying to get them up and going. Um, and, of course, from a junior perspective, that's our, our next move as well, is to help those clubs grow junior netball well we may as well talk about that obviously that's something we've been really active in in recent months and, and going back to last year as well obviously it was curtailed because of of the covid mm. pandemic but to, to getting out now and, and setting up net set go centers as well with the aim to have a junior netball competition in in the next year or so and then from there hopefully have a pathway where players can play from net set go through to juniors and then into seniors or with the one club Absolutely. Um, and yeah, again, it's about giving people opportunities to play as a club opposed to just playing with teams. Um, but going out to the schools, we're having great um, feedback from all the, the schools and, and the opportunity to go out and run, uh, come and try sessions and then internet set go. Lauren, who is working the junior side, is doing an enormous amount of work there um, as well as getting that off the ground. So over the next few weeks um, or in the next term, you'll we'll see more of those um, programs happening in the schools and with um, support there from with Netball Victoria as well. And obviously we, we want as many participants as possible, but for those who may be tuning in who'd like to get involved to maybe assist with, with the management, that's also something that uh, I guess we're always looking for, for more hands on deck to, to help us grow that net set go space into junior netball. Absolutely. If there's anyone out there that is interested in, in giving us a hand and helping out with from a coaching perspective um, or even just going and helping um, at the, the clinics, um, by, all, by all means do so, give me a call in the office. We do have some coaching courses coming up um, this week, actually, here at La Trobe University at 7 o'clock on Thursday night, being conducted by Netball Victoria, um, some coaching courses for Net Set Go. So if anyone is interested, yeah, please give me a call. And uh, to the, I guess, senior netball competition, which, as we said, commences this Friday night. First four rounds are graded, as, as they've been uh, for a number of years now, and then it, it breaks way into the section. So, obviously, it's, I'd imagine your job is... Uh, 
Well, I don't envy you to have to, to get <laughs> no, uh, to try and task. figure out the, the grading and, and obviously to, to obviously fixture that all as well with the number of teams we've got. But um, four venues in, in operation this year. Yeah, four venues in, in operation. We um, unfortunately did lose Parade, which had three courts. So we have um, been able to then secure back um, Mernda um, Park Primary School, which is new to us, and Mernda Central, which has two courts. Um, so trying and then with RMIT with four uh, courts there. Admittedly, during grading, we'll only use the three because all games are based on 10 minutes opposed to Section 1 playing 15. Um, just to give everyone an even um, time allocation. Um, and then the six down here at La Trobe. So each um, each venue, we try to keep clubs together as best as we can. And with quite a few fixed requests from clubs, um, we yeah, try and keep the club together as a team as best as we can, where, where we can, so without having to travel too we, much. Absolutely, and, and with, with that, there's obviously just a, a few, I guess, different procedures we need in, in place now just in terms of keeping COVID compliant, but most netballers would be used to by now. They uh, they were the, I guess, the guinea pigs as such, having to, to trial the, the QR codes from a, an NFNL perspective, but that changes slightly in terms of no longer using the one breadcrumb app, but no. obviously they'll still have to sign in just scanning the QR code at, at each venue. Yeah, correct. So, yeah, there are no more the one breadcrumbs as they've all been using during summer. So as they come into each venue, there will be a um, display of the QR code code that's recorded, um, which would be for whether it be Latrobe, which are using their own, and then you've got RMIT using their own, and then we've actually created one for both the, the Mernda schools as well. So, um, But again, everyone needs need to um, abide by the COVID requirements um, by washing hands and, and so forth, but also queue, uh, checking in at those venues um, and ensuring part of being on the team sheet, everyone needs to be registered, of course, to be on there, which is also another tracking mechanism. So officials do need to be on there as well. Absolutely. And I know certainly in the, the Section 1 space, obviously the competition since 2010 mm. has been dominated by Diamond Creek. Only COVID could stop them from, from winning another premiership <laughs> last year. But uh, is this the year potentially that, that we see a, a new challenger emerge? Oh, look, I think um, everyone is, that's the, their aim is to get out there to beat Diamond Creek. And there's always new, new players coming through um, and everyone's throwing out their challenges to try and, and to beat them. Um, Fitzroy Stars have gone close over the over the years. Um, North, uh, sorry, North North Heidelberg have also gone close, and there's a few changes there at North Heidelberg as well. So, um, Diamond Creek are again uh, putting two teams into this, uh, looking at the section one. We will go through that with the grading process, but never say never. Um, Diamond Creek always just seem to get through in that last quarter, get over the the line. Um, their fitness certainly shines through. So, if people have been I know these players keeping up their fitness seems to be the, the answer, I think. But um, time will tell. Um, and I'm sure Diamond Creek will be going out to see if they can secure another one. And just one, one last one. You, I mean, you're obviously so heavily involved in it. But there's something in particular you're looking forward to from this upcoming campaign. That, uh, I know we haven't been, been into the netball space for a while, but mm. new venues and, and whatnot. But is there anything else in particular that uh, you're looking forward to seeing throughout the course of the year? Um, look, I think yeah, the new venues, a lot of people wouldn't have been able to come here and, and experience and see La Trobe, whereas those during summer have, but there's a lot that haven't. But I think just um, everyone getting back to playing a game that they love. Um, and, of course, with the, the girls, they do all love their netball um, and playing a couple of times a week. But I also have a lot of boys that come down and umpire as well, which also love their netball and love being a part of it. So it's just um, 
Yeah, good to see one back. Looking forward to seeing a lot of faces I haven't seen for some time and um, let them enjoy enjoy their games. Well, Dallin, we're all certainly looking forward to the competition starting once again. Uh, well done on the, the mountain of work you've done to, to get us to, to this point and uh, certainly look forward to, to keeping in touch throughout the course of the year and uh, hopefully another fantastic season of, of netball in the Northern Football Netball League this coming year. No worries. Thanks very much, Samuel. Thank you.